Welcome inside the coaches room, the number one podcast for football coaches that want to develop. Every week we talk to elite coaches and backroom staff to hear about their experiences, how they develop and how they develop their players. This podcast is brought to you by Football Webinars. Football Webinars wants to support you to become a better coach. If you want to support us, then become a member so we can keep inviting elite coaches to inspire you. It's important to make sure that there are these places where people meet um, casually and, uh, and speak about things uh, without pressure. And I think the positions that are the most difficult to, uh, uh, to get somebody for are the assistant coaches' roles. In this episode, we talk to Daniel Nietzschowski. He has three roles. First, he is the assistant coach of the U21 team. With this team, he became European champions in 2017 and 2021. He is also responsible for the pro course in Germany, and he leads the policy on all German coach education. We talked to him about the importance of informal talks. We discussed the role of the assistant coach and also why it is so hard to find good people for this role. And we discussed his personal development. With such a busy schedule, busy life, how is it possible for him to keep developing himself and move between leadership roles and assistant roles? Personally, this is one of my favorite episodes so far because Daniel is a very, very modest guy, but at the same time, he's a very influential guy in German football. So enjoy this episode with Daniel Nitzkowski. If you like it, support us. Support us by subscribing, share it on social media, share it with your network, because if we grow and if we have more subscribers, we can have more interesting coaches like Daniel. Sander Ruge, was actually a while ago nominated you. Oh, he said we have to talk to you, so we are pretty curious about your uh, about your story and about your journey. And uh, we had actually one. I, I didn't say that before we started. We had one question from uh, a follower. Said why are German coaches so successful? Maybe we get into that later. But first, let's start with um, well, well, with our standard question. You've been in several offices, but most of most of the time it was at the German uh, the German Association. Mm-hmm. What is your most important item in your office or on your desk? Uh, I would say it's the coffee machine because <laughs> it's, it's it's early starts and, and, and long nights sometimes. So uh, recognizable is, for many coaches. Yeah. Probably, it, sure. it, it it sounds sounds a little bit like a joke in the beginning, but it uh, it really is. Uh, important because I like to drink uh, yeah. coffee and it's also something that I associate with uh, a little bit of like a social atmosphere within the, sure. the office so uh, it's not only working with the colleagues but it's also hanging out with them and sometimes chatting about something else so I think it's it's the place where uh, where we gather where we uh, uh, so how is it situated because you have a, you, you have now you have an office you because you have 17 roles uh, no I'm, I'm joking but you have 
let's say three roles. So you're in maybe in different offices, but what what is the atmosphere that you that you work in now? Uh, right now, it's it's a lot from home actually. Ah, of course, yeah. Um, sure. But when uh, when I'm with the team with the under 21s, yeah. um, we are never in the same place. So it's sure. uh, it's always sure. a different setup. But the coffee machine is always a piece of. Uh, of luggage it's always there okay. you bring one uh, so you bring yeah we do, yeah 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 we do our video analyst drinks even more coffee than i do okay. so he's always in charge of uh, making sure that everything is lined up and i don't know if he gets in touch with the hotel before or our team manager does it but uh, they make sure that there's a good coffee machine yeah, yeah, if there isn't then we make sure that ours gets that gets okay. that okay. Yeah. okay and um But okay, important part is okay. You're all working, and there's a performance environment. But uh, connecting with each other, let's say in a regular office, you have this coffee machine talk. But mm -hmm. you make sure that in the environment that you that you work or the environment that you lead, for example, uh, the the pro with the pro coach, uh, coaching license, that there is an atmosphere where these coffee talks are there as well. Uh, absolutely, yeah, I think it's it's very important. I think it's. It's something like a, a hidden curriculum uh, to get people um, stimulated, to get people yeah. inspired by what you speak about in, a, in an organized setting. Um, but the discussions they have in the time that is between sessions or in the evening or in the morning, I think that's where a lot of the, the important conversations happen as well and where the reflection happens. So I think... If you plan something like an educational setting, like we're setting up the, uh, the new DFB Academy in Frankfurt right now, yeah. um, then it's important to make sure that there are these places where people meet um, casually and uh, and speak about things uh, without pressure. Yeah, and how? Because uh, the 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 courses that you run or manage now are partially online or they're still live what's the situation there um the situation right now is that we don't have a course we we're going to start it at the okay. end of february and yeah. we haven't had one in the last seven months okay uh, but generally speaking it's a mix of uh, presence and online yeah. uh, and uh, also visits in the clubs so it's a mix um, most of the things Uh, that happens synchronically, so where we actually have conversations and have meetings and exchange, they happen in presence. And a lot of the things where we uh, we make sure that they have the foundation, where they gather knowledge, where we set references for discussions, that can happen online and everybody can do that at their own speed. Uh, we sometimes have expert talks where we invite people that we otherwise wouldn't get to the table uh, yeah. online for an online meeting. Oh, yeah. um, so it's it's a... It's a blended mix. learning concept. Where uh, and the reason uh, the reason why I'm asking because these well, I'm thinking about this now. So many things are online and it's all highly efficient. And you don't have to travel, but exactly like you're saying in these courses. And if you are with a group of coaches learning, you need those moments outside yeah. of outside of the classroom where you can inspire each other or have these talks that that also push you to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's uh, it's something that started off as um, as not really part of the curriculum. Of course, you plan breaks between sessions, um, but we made the experience that those breaks they always tend to 
take longer than you anticipated. Um, and of course, they have to be back at a specific time. Oh, but yeah. you, 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 you kind of get people out of the middle of a conversation oftentimes. And so we, uh, we figured that it might make sense that when you plan a course, for example, when you plan uh, um, exchange, that you plan in those, uh, those slots for the informal exchange as well and maybe give it a little bit of a longer break uh, more often. And that's nothing that takes from the experience or from the effect of learning, but it actually enhances it. So that's a, it's a very important thing going forward. What was the point that you realized these, these moments are just as important? Maybe you've, you know, you experienced them yourself as well, uh, yeah. all the time. But at one point you think, okay, maybe if we find that mix, the, the learning is going to go much faster. Um, faster or different, whatever. But yeah, I think it, for myself, it's uh, and for, from a, from the perspective of somebody leading the course, it's uh, it's also a good opportunity to get an individual talk with somebody that that you need to speak to. Yeah, and uh, I've realized for myself that uh, that those talks oftentimes take longer than the ten or fifteen minutes that I've anticipated. And, and if I want to have a, a proper talk, then I'd either have to cut it short and, and be yeah. uh, be very concise about it. Um, but if I want to have some flexibility, then I need to just give it longer breaks. And um, the recovery of the of the students seems to be much better if the break is longer. And uh, so we just we just uh, got that feedback from the from the courses as well that they enjoyed these um, these informal okay. settings. And it's there there is a point where it gets a little bit like. You know that, that doesn't doesn't it's not as efficient anymore, and you have oh, to make sure that 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 doesn't it does, doesn't get too long. But uh, um, a proper a proper break or an informal uh, exchange needs to be there. Yeah, well, I, I, it kind of takes me back. I think every coach has these courses that he's been on, whether it's UFC or even higher UEFA Pro. In your case, that you you've been in the routine, you've been listening for an hour and a half, you've been focused, you've been writing down, and then take the break. And the first two breaks, you think, oh, it's nice. And then maybe the mm. third break, you think, oh, I want to go back in. It, it yeah. kind of brings itself. You see the group kind of directing it itself, probably. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And how does it work with players the same way, you think? Or you, in your experience? Well, with the national team, it's a little bit of a special situation because yeah, they, sure. don't, they don't go home during the, uh, during the camps we have. So... Uh, we are together as a group all the time and people need some privacy now and again and they need some time on their own it's uh, it's also they don't see each other very often just in the international break so yeah. if we want to the the team to build as a team that we need to give them the time uh, you know those those slots where they uh, get together and maybe uh, play PlayStation together or have some other kind of activity. We always have a player's lounge uh, set up where uh, they can meet and uh, they really do. And I think these uh, these spaces are important for the players to become a team as well and, and also to just get their mind off football for a while. Now, is that a danger for coaches that we try to overschedule those, those times? Because uh, if you are, well, probably... Three depends on 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 the camp, of course, but maybe for matches three, four, five, six days that you are together. Okay, we only have them six days. Let's put as much information in, in them as possible. But in the end, 
it may, be, it may be much more effective if you leave out half of that and just let them figure out and socialize and become a team and then the, the effect would be is even better. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, they have to be ready. You want 100% quality in the sessions that are important. So you want 100% quality in, uh, you want 100% attention in every meeting you have. You want 100% quality in every training session. So you need to make sure that the players are recovered uh, in order to do that. And that, that goes for training as well as, uh, as all the tactical meetings and, and uh, presentations we have. So the recovery time needs to be there. It's a fine balance because you also want them to be ready for the first game. And typically when we meet, it's players come in on right now on the Sunday nights because there's a lot of testing involved and everything. But typically on the Monday and we usually play on a Thursday, Friday the latest. So you get a lot of players from different clubs who have different playing styles and uh, playing principles that they hear all week. And to get them on the same page... You need to make the best use of the time, but still yeah. we try not to overload them. Um, and we make, we try to make use of the time by not always having everybody uh, together, uh, but also have group meetings, individual meetings with the players, uh, which means that, that we can use the time uh, the yeah. best way because we're busy all the time then as coaches, but uh, not all the players are busy all the time, yeah. but we are smaller groups. We get a better exchange and, uh, there's just a limited amount of team sessions that we have. Yeah. I, we just had a talk with Drew Findlay, who was the analyst of Norway, first team. Mm-hmm. The, pretty much the same discussion we had there. And they, I think pretty similar. They didn't overschedule the schedule, but they were had, they were had these set moments that they were in the player's lounge or in the lounge that they had, and they were just available. And they would be open to tactical discussions, watch videos, whatever. And if the players didn't show, it's fine as well. If a small group would show as well, it was fine as well. Uh, like an open atmosphere. Uh, that, 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 and in the end, the, the effect was that everybody was always there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was relaxed, but it was still useful. Yeah. And, and that's something we do as well. We do give uh, the initiative to the players to a certain extent. So we have some some things set up where they can get information. For example, in, in every tournament, we have a TV uh, with uh, attachment to a computer uh, with a simple interface where they can see our last game. Yeah, they can see all their all their actions in the game, or where they can see the next opponent. Also categorize what they want to see, attacking corners, defensive corners. So the players can um, can actually become active and, and do things on their own that they find interesting. So it's a little bit of an individualization, with the, the intrinsic motivation that uh, they can bring in. And there are players who, who are very active with that, who watch mm-hmm. every, every single game that they've played, uh, watch it again, and uh, maybe even watch a half, a full half of the... Uh, of the next opponent, uh, look at uh, situations or typical situations of their um, the players that that are going to play in the positions that they're going to oppose yeah, in, yeah. in the next game. So they they exist. Um, I would say a lot of them are somewhere in the middle. Where they the closer it gets to the game, the more interesting it gets for yeah, them. Sure. And, and some of them even just take the iPad um, in the in the locker room before the game and. Uh, 
and then do the the thing for the you know the for their short term memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine. And, and, and that's fine. Memory. That's yeah. fine as well. Um, so everybody can do that at their own pace, and then we we have to make sure that they get the minimum uh, through the team meetings. So everybody has the information that's definitely needed, and everything that's on top of that, um, they can do. But we also, if we realize that players don't uh, don't use the information that's available, we do ask them, not not forcing them to do it, but we do ask them if it might not be help, could not be helpful to yeah. uh, to have an idea of how their next opponent is going to play. And, so you uh, don't enforce it, but you. No. Kind of hinge them, shouldn't you look at some uh, images? Is that the way? To, because uh, this guy yeah. could play, or what do you yeah. know already about your opponent? You don't think yeah. you need, and uh, you don't think yeah. you need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we ask them why they don't do it. Ah, you know, so what what is the reason why they don't do it? And yeah. if a player wants to play by intuition uh, and says, "Oh, I don't want to," you know, look at those uh, those things beforehand. They are professional players, so we're not gonna we're not gonna force them to do it. But it's, uh, I think, even intuition is the result of something that you've done prior of your own experience yeah. and, and of something that you've uh, that you've been exposed to. So um, we do uh, like them to yeah, get the, get the information imagine. in. Can it can be frustrating that you know that he should know. Maybe he's not doing it. Okay, yeah. you are maybe still in the phase that it's also still a learning process for them. So you cannot say everything explicitly. They have to experience it once in a while as well yeah. to, to mess up. Yeah, it's an interesting process. Yeah, it is. And is it is that um, what in your role in the camp? Because you said, okay, I'm not the head coach, so uh, of course. The main responsibility is there, and you you come in the camp. What is what is your main or what's your main role or strength maybe during these camps? What what's your focus? Um, we have we've had a change in the head coaching position. Yeah. We had Stefan Kunz, who's now the yeah. head coach of uh, Turkish international team, uh, Turkish national team, and now Tony Di Salvo, who used to be my uh, my fellow assistant coach. Yeah. Uh, is the head coach and yep. uh, because of that change i have many more responsibilities now in terms of training so uh, planning uh, training and also being um, being in a lead role in training okay. um, so that has changed a little bit uh, i'm in charge of set pieces okay. so um, as we all know uh, that's an important very part important. of the game <laughs> and, for sure uh, very uh, very big determinator of whether you're going to be successful or not. Yeah. Um, whether you are a good coach or not. Yeah. I'm, I'm involved in analysis. So I do the, uh, the analysis of the opposition. Yeah. It's not like I do it by myself. We have a very, very good analyst who prepares everything. And we go through um, the last three games of the opposition um, together. Yeah. And then we put together a presentation as well. Um, and I presented to uh, to the team. So that and on top individual sessions with players. Um, and also, I have to say, because of the, the several roles that I have, 
the other jobs don't stop during the camp as well. So I, okay. I always have something to do for uh, for the coach education part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I had the idea that before we pressed record, you said, yeah, well, I am not the head coach. So my time is relatively filled. But if you say it like this, it is, it is a lot of things you have to do. It may be even more, but less responsibility, but you have to, you have a lot of things that, that are, well, let's say your tasks in these, in these uh, camps. Yeah. And the responsibility, the responsibility is only less, um, Let's say publicly. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm not going to be blamed for something that I don't do well, but it's still my fault if I don't do it well. So and it's also changed. It's also I can't imagine it's also a little bit different. If you've worked alongside somebody for a long time, there's more equality, and then there's a head coach, let's say above you for a longer time. I can imagine you connect maybe on a more equal level faster than this is an assumption again, but I can imagine that it kind of works that those dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's true, uh, and I've seen it from from both perspectives. I've seen it from somebody who gets from the same level to the next level because yeah. I worked as a coach educator for the DFB before, uh, before becoming the the lead, and uh, so I I was at the same level with people that I'm boss I'm yeah, yeah. boss now. So. Yeah. Uh, the leadership with people that you've been on the same level with is it's a little bit different uh, from when people come in uh, come in new yeah. to the organization and they're used to you being the boss um, and because the the personal relationship doesn't change or I think shouldn't change because no. you're still the same people when when you're off work but um, it's a it's a fine balance to still be as approachable as you've been before, but also be assertive in the things that you want to happen. Yeah. So if, if I see something in, in the team that I lead in coach education that I don't like, then I have to address it and I have to address it in, in, a, in an assertive manner. Uh, although I've worked with these, uh, yeah, these sure guys yeah, at I the understand. same level before. And it's the same thing from the other perspective now that my, uh, my former fellow assistant coach is my, it's my boss. Yeah. Um, but luckily, he's he's very good about that, and he uh, he has not changed a single bit in the way we communicate, and um, he's got a very open ear. Um, and we've we've discussed everything um, in the in the constellation that we've had before, and we do it the same way now. And he uh, involves me in all the decisions, so uh, I really can't complain. Yeah, well, it's interesting shift, and it's. Do you feel you have to shift when you're going? Of course, you have to shift in tasks and stuff, but also in maybe your roles there. Okay, maybe you have to follow a little bit more and have to lead a little bit more there, or is it coming naturally? You mean on the on the under twenty ones? Yeah. So then, officially, you are the assistant, and when you yeah. go back to your coaching is a license or the the, the course, oh, okay. you are you're more of the leader. So, is it a is is it a natural fit for you, or does it because? Yeah. Well, let me talk from personal perspective. I like to lead mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have sometimes trouble if I'm not in that role, uh, being, let's say the follower or whatever, because yeah, I want to say something that I think is important, whatever. I'm not saying I'm doing it right at all, but it's kind of what is in, instilled in me or installed in me, but to, yeah. just to, to hear your perspective on this. Yeah. I like to lead too. And I've had situations in which I thought, well, I 
would like to say something, but it's not appropriate right now. But the the culture we have within the coaching staff of the under 21s is is a very very open and good one, and it's uh, it's it's never there, there are never situations in which I think I can't voice my opinion now. Yeah, and it's it's a little it's a little bit like a periodization towards the game because I think in uh, during the week and during the planning stage. Um, you can be, or I can be, I can be in a, in a leading position and I have to be in that leading position in training You're as well, because when I'm, when yeah. I'm in front of the team, I have to be in a leading position. I have to make sure that I, uh, I don't say anything uh, that the, the true leader. So the head coach would not agree to. So I'm, I'm still a servant in that respect, but yeah. I have to, I have to lead the players. And if I'm on the pitch in a session, I have to lead the players. When I uh, when I run a, a video session, I have to lead the players and I have to lead the discussion. So I, I have to switch those roles constantly. And uh, as I said, it's a little bit of a periodization towards the game because there is a specific point. I would say it's, it's probably about a day before the game or the night before the game when the discussions have to end. So... From that time on, it's not well, I, I, my responsibility is not to uh, to say everything I think anymore, uh, and and to bring that to the table and make sure that that's being uh, that's being taken into consideration all the time. Um, but from that point on, I've brought in everything that I think or that that I think is important. And then I have to support the coach, the head coach, in what they are convinced is going to bring us success. So yeah. let's say that a good example is the lineup. You know, you you speak about the lineup all week yeah. and it changes a little bit and the impressions from training come in and then you oh this this guy is actually this player has performed better in training and he might fit a little bit better to the opposition. So we may select him and then there are some different opinions and, and all that is okay. But the night before the game, the coach, the head coach has to go to bed with a good feeling. Yeah. And they, they have to make their decision. And when they've made the decision and the decision is final, it's not a good thing to still try to discuss things. And then I feel that my, that my responsibility is to make sure that I support him now because I, I don't know if what I think is going to work. He has to know, or he has to, to have the best feeling about the things that he is convinced in. Everything has been discussed. I've brought my opinion to the table. A decision has been made by the person who is responsible. Yeah. Now my job, until the game, is to make sure that uh, the head coach has a good feeling about uh, the de decisions that he's made, and he's confident for the game. He can appear confident in front of the cameras and. And as as everything that uh, that he needs, and then of course at halftime discussions have to start you again. Have two minutes you know, to discuss, and then again you have yeah. a couple of minutes to decide, and then it's up to him again, probably. Or maybe exactly. you lead. That could also be you. Maybe you lead the halftime sessions. It's also possible. I don't know, but still, um, yeah, that that might happen. Yeah, um, if there's something that we show the team on video, for example, the video. Uh, um, uh, sequences that we want to show at halftime from the first half, then that might be something that I do. Yeah. It's interesting, those dynamics within the staff, 
now we're talking about you and the head coach, but there are a lot of people involved. <clears throat> that is very, very important. Also in the way you present yourself to the players and they, that they see that there's one unity uh, yeah. in in the communication, in trust, and that they don't feel okay, maybe the assistant doesn't really agree. That fits my own feelings as a player. I'm going to go towards him a little. You see those processes, well, yeah. a lot of times, but it's interesting how you, oh, I like the way that you kind of, found the process in there okay there's and you connect it to time okay and until that part it's my job to maybe start a discussion and then even maybe break break down the ideas but then i then it's set and then we all we go we all move forward yeah and of course if there's something that really that's really really important to me uh, and it's still not i i just can't agree with it and it's on match day then i'll i'll express it I'll express it in a one-on-one -on -one with the head coach, but I, I won't make a big discussion about it anymore. Huh. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really an interesting uh, it's really an interesting process. Yeah, well, and it's also uh, well, especially on the elite level, you see, and people tend to think all th these things are are going on within staff or clubs, and then if you if you make a small step. A little bit in the other direction. Everybody can say something, which you also may may want to prevent. Yeah, it's a different discussion. But I find it very recognizable, a different level. But been assistant for two years with a very good head coach, uh, and for me it was not really a problem to fit in his way. But I also knew, and there was trust. Trust is the main word, I think. There, yeah. that that you could discuss anything. And once we go out into the dressing room. Um, yeah, you still, you still speak one voice. That's, I think mm -hmm. the main, the most important. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite interesting. Um, I, I do get a lot of calls where people ask about coaches, you know, they, they're looking for a coach or they're looking at, yeah. for an assistant coach and, uh, or for a youth coach. And they, they have questions about coaches or they, they would like to find a coach and see if I have somebody that I can recommend. And I think the, Positions that are the most difficult to uh, uh, to get somebody for are the assistant coaches' roles, because you naturally you would think, well, I mean, assistant coach they can have a flaw here and there, and it's not such a big problem. The head coach needs to be perfect, you know. The people behind him they can uh, they need to complement him, but they don't need to be perfect in every way. But the qualities of the assistant coach um, they are so special and the combination of those uh, those qualities is, is so special that it's the hardest position to find good people for at least at the top level because you need people who can who can appear in front of top players who have top standards who are yeah. very very uh, very very sensitive to weakness for example and you have to to appear in front of those players and make a perfect impression yeah um, and be very, very good uh, in, in the subject-specific things that you that you want them to do or that you communicate to them. Um, but at the same time, you have to be totally loyal to your boss, and that is that's quite a difficult combination. And you you shouldn't be wanting your boss's position as well. Yeah. Well, and, not at that point. 
Well, not at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, reason I mean, why I'm you, saying you, it because I when I went to the well, it's it's just an example. But when I went to the head to that club that signed me as an assistant coach, I before I got signed, I said I want in the end I want to be the head coach here. Mm-hmm. But the 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 head coach there was a friend of mine or a good connection of me. So, but it was clear to everybody that I wanted to be his successor. Um, um, but I wanted to be a head coach. But the, the, I think the good thing I did. Not about me, but it, it was clear. So there was no backstabbing. No, it was clear. And as long as he was there, I was 100, 100% loyal. But the mm-hmm. situation, and even the players knew it, but they were also still loyal to the head coach. And sometimes you saw players, okay, but you you saw them kind of using it because, okay, we know yeah. you want it as well, but then you have to step very far away from that. But I I, I can imagine, I, yeah. I, I agree what you're saying because... You don't want that guy that is that is a backstabber, but you do want the quality of a potential head coach next to you. Kind of that's the balance almost there. Yeah, you need a lot of the qualities, but you need the you need a, a little bit of a different behavior in, in certain aspects of the job. But as you said, you had a strong head coach, and if the head coach is strong, then they can they can even tolerate somebody who might get into that position at yeah. some point and i think it's totally legitimate to want to do that at some point it's just not good if you try to make sure that point comes a little more quickly <laughs> and you're doing it wrong uh, yeah, yeah and you always have the players who, who who will recognize if you're not of the same opinion and that they try to exploit that weakness and uh, yeah you got to be got to be strong as a person and got to be strong as a team yeah 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 so yeah exactly so the staff uh, yeah, that you that you build or that you that you find around you is yeah is crucial for your own way of working. Yeah. Because if you have, well, how do I say this? If you have coaches that are fine with being an assistant, and they just there because they have the job anyway, yeah, that's not the guys you want to relate on. You want to ha- exactly like you said, you want to have these guys in front of the group as a head coach that. If you put your assistant forward, the quality should be at least as good, or ideally, it, it is better or different, but very good. That if you split the group in two, players will know, okay, I'm going to be with the assistant, so the level is lower. No, they want to be with the assistant because the level is just as high there. Or the, uh, well, it's interesting. I got me thinking because we had a goalkeeper the first year, I had a goalkeeper coach who was there for a long time. He had a good connection with the player, but the intensity was less high. Let's call it like mm-hmm. that. Second year, I brought in an assistant coach, a goalkeeper coach, and he was like in a positive way, a maniac. So at one point, some exercise players didn't want to be with me. They wanted to be with him, which was perfect because then it doesn't matter which organization on the pitch where the level was everywhere, was, was high everywhere. So that was ideal. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, just in terms of personality, you might have a better connection to certain players as an assistant coach no, than true, the head coach does. And that's good. That's a good thing. It's just important that they don't find a weak spot to, uh, you know, to 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 attack the system uh, <laughs> to to their to their own advantage. You know, infiltrate. Yeah. I think is the word that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very interesting social dynamics or group dynamics that's there. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that a part 
that you still have to install during the pro coaching coaching course, or is it that main most of the coaches yeah, they've they've had already a lot of experience, so these this is not the thing you have to add at that level. Well, the, the background is quite diverse. Okay. Background the coaches have, so some of them might be assistant coaches in the professional game already, so they see things through the assistant coach's uh, perspective or, yeah, yeah. or glasses. Um, then there are some coaches from the say like a, a semi-professional to professional yeah. level, uh, league four and below, that are already head coaches. Um, but at that level, they oftentimes don't have the they don't have a big team around so, them yeah, okay. that, that supports them. They have to do a lot of things on their own. They might have a, a, a good, decent assistant coach. Uh, they might have a a fitness coach um, who's there part-time, uh, usually not full-time. Um, and, and then also you have coaches from, uh, from the youth teams, uh, from the academies, who have yep. very good coaching staff already at that time, yep. uh, at that stage. So it's a, it's a little bit diverse. Um, I think none of them are used to having a staff of 25 to 30 people around them and uh, to having ever had to organize that, uh, that kind of staff and to lead the kind of staff and uh, to make sure that everybody gets the, the proper amount of your attention. Uh, but you still organize things that you don't have to be at every meeting and speak with everybody yeah. every day. So that's something that they, they need to get used to and it's something that you can't really simulate during the course, but they go obviously they go through internships with professional teams, and yeah. that's it's a subject that they need to speak to the coach to um, and get their their um, point of view. Um, and it's something that they can prepare in theory uh, how they would organize it if uh, when they become uh, head coach of a professional team. So who do they want uh, to be in their in their circle of trust, the inner circle? Yeah. Um, who do they want in, in the next layer and who is kind of on, on an also important but on an outer circle uh, of people that they don't need to be in touch with every day who support well uh, from an expert uh, point of view but it, it, it's not uh, it, it doesn't depend on a daily communication that's being yeah. done directly and they can also prepare processes like things they delegate to their assistant coach, uh, things they delegate to the team management, just to make sure that they don't think everybody is their direct job uh, yeah. every day when they become head coach. Because that's the danger that a lot of young coaches run into uh, or coaches who haven't experienced uh, the professional game. They, um, they feel responsible for every single thing yeah. because they have been responsible for every single thing in the past. Yeah. Uh, and of course, they are responsible for the result, but they're not. They don't have to do it all on their own. So they have to delegate, it and they have to trust the people they delegate. They have to also make sure that they are always informed about the processes and, and the results of the processes, and make sure that everybody's at the at the highest quality. But they still don't need to do it all by themselves. And did that, hear, did, sorry, did I hear you saying like you have your daily? Your daily connections, then you have your circle. I, I can hear you talking in circles, and then you have yeah. your, your your monthly expert talks that you have. Kind of is that kind of how you well, how you share it with them that this is a way to organize? Yeah, yeah it's it's actually it's a model that we use. So it's yeah. uh, you have your inner circle. Yeah, and you have two or three people 
maybe sometimes four people uh, in that inner circle that you that they completely trust and you exchange information um, with uh, on a daily basis um, who are involved in decisions um, that are that are very important um, then you have people around that who you still might be directly in contact with but not to the same extent uh, as to your inner circle and then you have people on the on the outer layer um, that you might not always communicate with directly but actually delegate things to your assistant coach okay. for example to make sure that you get uh, get specific information you might have somebody who's the who's in charge of the medical staff uh, who makes sure that you get all the medical information so you don't need to speak to every physio yeah. every day in order to find out what they know but somebody uh, somebody uh, comprises that information and makes sure that you get the essence of it yeah. uh, and having having that having those processes organized is uh, extremely important for for the head coach who's in charge. Yeah. Well, even it gets me thinking about my role as well. Even then I was also doing everything because yeah, I thought that was the way to do it. But if I look back at it, I could have delegated a lot, much more because there are even at lower levels, there are a lot of people involved that maybe not every day, but they can still help you. Yeah. I think it's a very big pitfall. Well, now I hear you talking. This is my lesson from this podcast that yeah, use whoever is around you. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and the, the thing that's most difficult for a lot of the, the young coaches is to trust the people <laughs> with things they you know they delegate. They delegate those things, but if the result is not perfect immediately, they think, oh, I need to do it myself." Yeah. Um, instead of coaching that person, you're not only the coach of the team, but you're also the coach of your your experts. You're not gonna you're not gonna know enough to uh, to overrule your medical staff on decisions that are made on a medical basis, but still you you coach them in terms of the way you want the information presented to you and 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 what kind of information you want. Because that's a little bit different with every coach, and typically, yeah. although the, most of the people they stay with the club and they they've worked with a coach before you, they're going to work yeah. with the coach after you, yeah. and they might want things a little bit differently. So you have to be very clear about the way you want things to uh, to be done. Uh, you want information presented to you. Uh, you want the processes to run, and uh, that is your job to make sure that they know how that is going to go and when they're good experts, if they're good experts, which I think in most cases they are, then they're going to be able to cope with that and adapt to the way you want it to be. And then that process, you have to accompany. You have to uh, give them feedback on the way you think uh, their area of responsibility is going. Um, not doing it in a way where they think, well, he knows better than I am uh, because they are the expert yeah. in, in a lot of ways. But um, Concerning the way they want things organized, or you want things organized, you have to uh, to lead them the way. I can imagine that this is one of the main items of this last step in your coach education. Well, it never stops, of course, but that you've okay, you've proven yourself to be a good coach, which is probably connecting with players and tactically, etc. But yeah, the the step to the pro level is getting this whole organization that you're responsible for, and even yeah, the more people involved, the more leadership is asked. Yeah, and I think it's it's the biggest change. I mean, in the 
just in the in the in the game the game is the game yeah. uh, no matter who you're coaching um, and and it's uh, it's universal the, the qualities of the the game of football are universal and uh, i don't think there are so there are too many changes in that now especially the coaches who are coming from the academy teams they are very good on the pitch they have yeah. their uh, they have their playing philosophy lined up very um, very in, in, in a lot of detail um, they have to break it down a little bit for the professional games sometimes uh, but they've tested a lot of uh, a lot of training forms and and, uh, and activities um, so they are good in that respect and i think it's it's a, it's it's not that easy to to improve them in a course yeah. in that area and it's also when they make the step from uh, let's say the under 19 coach to the professional team there's some kind of adaptation in that area uh, because you have to essentially win games yeah. um, you also have to develop players but um, in the youth teams you have to develop players and it wouldn't be bad if you won games as yeah. well yeah. Uh, which i guess is the one's re the result of the other so yeah. it, it's not that much different but this aspect of uh, leading an organization and dealing with the we call it the subject uh, the uh, the system football or the football system okay so everything that's around you every yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. everything that might not even work in your direction so the media agents and all those things that uh, that are added uh, when you get to the professional level um they need to learn about that and prepare be prepared to deal with uh, with those things those things when they get to the professional game Everything that happens on the pitch, they normally uh, yeah, yeah. manage. Yeah. And then what, in your opinion, makes all the coaches, coaches are at your level that are in front of you of their course are good coaches. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. But some of them probably become great. Is the, what, what makes the difference in being good and the ones that stand out and, and really manage that situation? Um. Certainly, a, a lot of details. Um, I know there's a lot of discussion about charismatic leaders, uh, whether whether charisma is actually a good thing or uh, might be misleading as well. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, follow somebody who's charismatic doesn't mean that they lead you to a good place. It just means that they True. they're good at making you follow them. So they're good at leading. Yeah, but I think if you're a football coach, you're uh, you, you should have some kind of charisma. So. Yeah. Um, um, there are coaches who who are not that charismatic, but who are very convincing because they are very good in the subject specific area, and the players just feel that they will lead them to success. Yeah, yeah. Because everything they tell them helps them win games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that might be a compensation for that, but you need to have one of those too. Okay. Um, you need to be able to cope with stress. Um, yeah. with long hours with uh, sometimes sleepless nights actually it would be good if you be able to cope with stress to an extent that uh, you can actually sleep at night but uh, even if yeah. that doesn't happen um, you still need to be ready to show up the next day and be um, at a level that allows you to lead a professional yeah, team. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that that uh, resilience uh, is, is very important um and you certainly 
should be um, you should be ready to make not make people like you but make people like to work for you because they feel that you everything you do is coming from a good place okay, uh, yeah, and, and you want to help them because i think if they this guy the, integrity is that what is it maybe yeah works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to be nice to them all the time, oh, sure. yeah, um, sure. but you, you need to be supportive, and being supportive can also mean to be assertive at times. Oh, yeah. um, but they should be able to detect your good intentions uh, in that. And the um, way you bring it is then less important, but it's, it can be harsh or it can be soft. But doesn't matter. It, but even when it's hard or harsh or whatever. If they feel that it is in the best for you or the team, then yeah. the players will follow. Yeah, and and you need to be able to to adapt that to different personalities. Because if you're harsh to a person who doesn't, yeah. who's not really ready to deal with harsh, or uh, also a little bit of the cultural context, huh? if, if a person that isn't used to that, or if, if you do something that's offensive to them then that could be a problem in the relationship that you have. You have to yeah. be able to build relationships that are that are going to tolerate stress when things aren't going well. So I, I think coaches make a lot of mistakes when things are going well and they neglect certain people because they think, ah, oh, everything is going yeah, well. Yeah. I don't need to deal with that now. Yeah, I don't yeah, need yeah. to yeah. pay attention to this. And uh, you may you have to make sure that you build those relationships and make those relationships strong um, when things are going well and that doesn't mean that you need to need to uh, praise everybody all the time but but you need to build a relationship so when things aren't going well you can rely on that relationship to to tolerate stress um and i think that's that's something that a coach really needs to uh, be able to Uh, to do, I hear things that you that you kind of can learn. So, if you sleep less than five hours for twenty nights in a row, you kind of gonna get the hang of it, or I don't know. But but other things like it's a little bit of a feeling how to deal with people or charis charisma. Mm -hmm. Is it something you can learn, or is it is it have to be installed in you? It's interesting discussion. Mm -hmm. Well, there are a lot of people who make a lot of money uh, telling others that they can teach them charisma. Yeah. Uh, I think to a certain extent that's in you or it isn't. And it sometimes also has to do with your with your background. If you're coming from out of nowhere and you have no um, uh, no merits that you can uh, that you can show, then it's 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 a little bit more difficult to have that impact right away but there are there are people who've been very successful already who have that as a you know the halo effect uh, as the the thing that people see right away when they see them so they see them yeah. and they believe oh they're going to yeah, bring yeah. us success because they've had success in the past how would we not be successful with them so um, it's something that might be associated with your past uh, in the beginning it doesn't last for very long um, It might give you um, it might give you a little bit of security uh, if you have that. So I've made the experience um, that winning the euro in 2017 with the under 21s yeah. 
the winning a title um, it gave me a little bit more of a I don't know what the English word for it is. Um, What's your word? Uh, Lockerheit. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, people believe you more. That's kind of what you're what you're saying, or yeah, I, I was more relaxed. Okay. Oh, okay. I, like this. I, okay. It's. Yeah. It's. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that was going to happen, but I've, I've proven something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, the winning that title. I mean, there are a lot of things that play into it, and it might not even be sure. me. Uh, but I've won a title, and it made me confident. Yeah. A little more confident. I've been confident before that, but it made me a little bit more confident because the next generation of players coming into the under 21s, yeah, yeah. they thought, oh, this coaching staff has won the title. So it might make sense to listen to what they have to say. Yeah. And so it gave me a little bit of, of uh, relaxation. Relaxation is the wrong word. Confidence is good. Yeah. Um, so winning something um, might add to, uh, to the appeal that you have to others. Not only because it's not only because the people think of you that way, but also because it gives you the feeling of confidence, and projecting that confidence on others is part of charisma. Yeah, if you feel more confident yourself, you feel more secure, and people feel that you feel more secure. So they are maybe a little bit more willing to. Oh, I don't, maybe I'm taking it superficial, but they're a little bit more willing to listen, and because it rubs off on people. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So winning in winning is well, it is the reason why you're playing it or despite entertainment or whatever development, but in the end it has a major effect on the daily routine of a coach. If you win ten times, you can do exactly the same thing if and lose ten times, but you are a better coach when you win. It, it, it's just the people but they perceive it how they perceive it, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there might be there might be some truth to it. I mean, you, you can't have done everything wrong if you win a title, um, because it's not just one event. It's not just one game that you win, but it's no, like that's true. sequence, that's true. and uh, there are certain stages that you go through uh, with a team. So, um, but but still, I mean, it shouldn't theoretically it shouldn't give me the right to be more confident than before because I'm doing things the same yeah, way yeah, as I did before. Yeah, uh, interesting. Okay, so you help a lot of coaches develop. Well, it's your job. You help a lot of players develop in the camps and as uh, you're leading the team in those camps. But your own development, how do you find time to do something for yourself in your own development or is it is it experience-based development? To a large extent, I would say it is. Um I've I've thought about uh, the, the way that my personal development should go uh, quite a bit. Um, I think I haven't. Or I'm not at the point yet where the things I do daily don't uh, add to my development. I think a lot of a lot of the chances for personal development lie in what you do every day if you yeah. challenge yourself constantly. So I I like to accept new challenges i like to aim high and from that i i do make new experiences uh, very often and, and reflecting on those experiences um i think helps me grow it helps me get smarter definitely and it helps me get the bigger picture and get, getting an, an increasingly holistic view of football um but i also try to 
uh, add to that holistic view by not only being concerned with football. So I try to um, I try to also um, get exposure to to cultural things, to philosophical things, to yeah. uh, politics, uh, to things that might not be associated with football directly, but that just give me a, a bigger perspective in life. And I often yeah. see things there that. Uh, that then remind me of football and give me a new yes. perspective on that. Just to give you an example, we've had, I don't know if you've, you've heard about it in, uh, in the Netherlands. We, we have a new government in Germany yeah. and we had uh, the, um, uh, we've had one of our ministers. Um, I don't know. Is minister the, yeah, it's, it's the word in English as well. Yeah. Um, who's in charge of the environmental strategy, uh, for Germany to get greener um, and he has uh, presented his strategy I think yesterday yesterday or the day before okay and it's really drastic so um, he wants to to have a very very high impact on the measures that we're taking now until yeah. 2030 and people they perceive it as crazy not everybody I, mean, I think everybody perceives it as some kind of crazy. They they yeah. uh, perceive not some perceive it as crazy and not realistic and stupid, and some perceive it as crazy. But crazy is what we need. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, because we need drastic change in order to reach our environmental goals uh, at a point in the future that that really makes a difference. And um, it's it's funny because we have been going through this process in German football of. Uh, um, of reform uh, for the past three years and we have enormous problems uh, communicating it to people who don't want to change. So it's, it's, it's kind of similar. It's also the things we want to do are drastic. They're not as drastic in comparison and they're not yeah. as relevant, obviously, as the environment. But it's still a situation in which we... We want to make change. We have made aware people aware why we need to make certain changes in coach education, but also in the competition formats in the youth teams, um, uh, in the in the development structures in Germany. So all over all over the game, we need to make certain changes if we want to get better. Yeah. And it's it's also perceived as crazy, and some perceive it as crazy but good. Now we need to negotiate a little bit where where the actual uh, realization of it is going to go. And a lot of it, a lot of the people, they see it as crazy and unrealistic and they don't want to do it because they don't want to change. And so by dealing, as a, as a, I've taken a big round now, but uh, you. it's uh, by looking at, at, at politics and seeing how people behave and react to certain things and think generally, you can explain the football world in a lot of different contexts as well. So this is... It has actually uh, confirmed my belief that the, the way we go in football is the right way to go. Because if we want change, then we need to be yeah. drastic about it sure. and uh, make sure that we get the most of, uh, of those things that uh, we think make sense. Is that also connected to, you said, as I want to push myself, that you push yourself in these matters always also to think more drastic. So, okay, this would be the obvious solution, but maybe the solution is five, 10 steps ahead and I should, I should talk 
that type of message. I should look much more forward. I should look much more drastic. Is it something that you have to push? Yeah, it is. And it's also something where I push myself. In that process, I've had to push myself to... And that's something that I, I definitely take from it as a personal um, development step. I've had to push myself to not be liked by everybody because I, I, I'm kind of a, I'm a person who needs harmony, yeah. who likes harmony and doesn't really like conflict. Um, and I knew that going into this, this big project that if we, um, we challenged the current system and we demanded the things that we demand, then a lot of people, also a lot of coaches who probably can't continue their pathway all the way up to the top, they're going to be, they're going to be angry. They're going to be uh, dissatisfied and they're going to not like, and knowing that and still doing it has, uh, has shown me that I can deal with it and that it's not necessary for everybody to like me. If I'm convinced that what I'm doing is helping a lot of people and helping the system. But that was a, a big development step because I've had times where I, uh, I did things or didn't do things because I thought, well, what are people going to think of me and yeah. are they going to confront me and am I going to like that kind of confrontation? But I've made the experience that it's not always nice, but it's if something's important to me, then it's worth it. It's a big step because it's, it means that, that leaving the comfort zone, that's a cliche, but leaving the comfort zone really is, it really works for me. Yeah. Well, it's exactly what I hear. You have to push yourself out there. But it, all, I, what I also hear is that this is what you were, well, maybe proved, this is what you proved to yourself that you are a leader because yeah, uh, you are responsible for, for a part of it, uh, which means that you have to be the guy in the room that sometimes breaks the harmony and that so shows everybody the way and this is the way we should do it. I have a little bit of trouble uh, with the connection, at the, maybe at the moment. Can you still hear me? Hello. Uh, now you, now you, now you. Now back, we're back. Back. Yeah. Okay. I, I uh, the last thing I heard was um, the beginning of the question. If that helped me become a leader. Well, you were already a leader, but mm -hmm. it it maybe proved well prove to others but maybe also to yourself that as a leader you have to push a little bit harder and you have to break that harmony mm -hmm. if otherwise you you don't get anything done or there, nothing changes if you stay within the average mm -hmm. and you are well maybe it's an I'm, I'm doing hardcore assumptions here but it is something that you are as a leader are tested as well okay can I bring everybody in sometimes you have to leave some people behind some people will get mad but you've shown, first of all, to yourself that you are able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think that was the step. Um, and I, I think what I learned from it is that you, you get respect for doing those things. You don't necessarily, you're not going to be liked, but people respect <laughs> that. Yeah. Especially in football where um, you have a lot of people with strong opinions. They're not always, uh, they're not always objectively um or objective based a lot of subjective uh, opinions but uh, still a lot of strong opinions and having that strong opinion and 
and and staying with it even if there's resistance gets you respect and that's something that has uh, I don't think it used to be so important to me but I've appreciated it now that it's there yeah. because yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not really I uh, I wasn't a big player um, so I don't have a big name in football uh, I've not been a head coach of a professional team so you can imagine that there are people who think well why is he running the pro course or why is he saying what we should or should not be doing in coach education um, which I mean I, I can understand that to a certain extent but I don't think it's necessary um, so it's uh, there. There are different ways in which um, you can make an impression in such a yeah. in such a context. And yeah. This this renovation process, this reform, was one of them. Right. Well, this is let's say a high up management role, but it relates to the dressing room as well. If you were a younger coach, you also if you take it to a smaller environment. That's, I don't know if it's simpler. Yeah, it's simpler. With 15 players, you also have 10 players want to go that way and five players or one or two that want to go the other way. You have to show as a, as a coach or as a leader that you're willing to confront that situation as well because if you don't, you lose the other 10. And in your case, it's a much more political environment with much more influence from external factors or whatever, but it's if I maybe make it superficial, it's almost the same. It's been an interesting discussion so far, Daniel. We've what I uh, hear with your story is that you have different angles and different roles, which gives you a lot of experience that you can connect in all these in all these roles. That's that's what I find the most interesting because if I look at your if I hear your story about the way you are an assistant, and I I know you've already also been an assistant in the Bundesliga as well. Um, which these experiences connect almost fluently with the pro course where you are more, let's say, in charge of a single course or or the course and you have your manager role, which you are more in the leader's role. So I, I love the way that it all connects and I love the way that you take your experience from one part to the other one. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and in the end, well, that is... Maybe a little bit the situation for you that you don't have too much time to sit down and maybe evaluate and relax, but you all these all these experiences push you to the next level and you can't kind of develop develop automatically. That's that's maybe my conclusion of the talk so far. Yeah, I would uh, I would definitely <laughs> sign that sign up on that uh, sign sign uh, off on that i think is what you say <laughs> i would sign off with that yeah yeah I, I could use some more uh, time to reflect really um that would be that would be cool i oh, reflect yeah. on the go pretty much uh, and, and i've found some system to do that um but still i realize that when i have a break um, when i have a break of let's say two weeks um things start falling into place after a while you know after relaxing then then all of a sudden i get ideas that i don't normally get and there might there might be a solution to something that i've thought about a lot yeah, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't come to you if you're under constant pressure or in the constant rhythm so uh yeah that would be something that would be very beneficial yeah well i'm not gonna say 
to you how you should manage your time is not up to me but it's a process that everybody recognizes if yeah, you're constantly on the go yeah then then in what way or another you find yourself oh i found myself relaxed sometime that i can that things stop or whatever or for whatever reason corona could be one of the reason or anything and it gives you all of a sudden time to to evaluate that's when the best ideas come and yeah. then well, for me, it's the case then to not overrush and dive straight away into the new ideas because that's my pitfall in this case. But uh, uh, it, it is good when they happen. Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. So that could be the next development step to learn to say no to things that could be interesting, but you just, but I just can't manage at the time. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy that you did say yes to the post to this podcast. And me too. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. That's cool. Thanks. Thanks. So Sander had uh, had the good assist uh, for you or for me that uh, that he nominated you. That was uh, yeah, it was very valuable. So thank you, Daniel. Now uh, it's up to you to give an assist. So uh, mm -hmm. very interesting to see who we should talk to next. Yeah. Well, I've um, as I told you in the, in the short talk we had before, um, people. Are they don't know that but a lot of ideas who might be uh, might be a good addition to the podcast yeah um i am i am thinking right now um and we'll have to you said you were going to do it based on the discussion also a little bit so yeah 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 um i think uh, matthias jaisler would be great yeah. um he's been on oh, he was on the pro course two years ago and now the I don't know if he would like me to say that, but he's you know, the rising star among the young coaches in, uh, in Germany, okay, cool. working for Red Bull Salzburg, and was a very successful first coach there uh, who's reached the knockout stage in the Champions League, and he's a very, very interesting person to talk to. Um, so I would nominate him in hoping that uh, he's going to agree and say yes. Let's Otherwise, see. I have some, some other alternatives that... Okay. Well, I can imagine you have a lot of coaches that have been in front of you that could be interesting. But uh, let's let's go with your first assist, and uh, there's no pressure at all. Um, but let's see if well, we've talked about time. Mm -hmm. Time is uh, of great value for these guys as well because they don't have it a lot, I think. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. Well, I love the nomination. And again, uh, Daniel, thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining the inside the coach's room and i Thank wish you. you all the yeah all no, not luck all the knowledge and strength to push to push into a new direction thanks very much it was a pleasure uh, to speak to you you too thanks okay thank you bye 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 bye